Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. We're live. Welcome back to another edition of the Double Switch. This is episode 12. I'm Heath. I'm joined by Joe. And this podcast is brought to you by SB Nation's Fake Teams. Joe, how you doing? I'm upset. I'm real upset right now. (laughs) Joe's mad right off the bat. Pun intended. What are you mad about? Well, I've been working on my... uh fantasy pro rankings right now and you know i've been ranking guys i was looking and i was like oh you know i've i've corbin burns like ranked 150 around the 150 range like josh james around like the 130 range i was like oh that might be a little high let's see where they're going josh james is going at 214 and corbin burns is going outside the top 300 which is absolutely insane we've got to do a better job that is just like it's awesome because I get a discount probably on draft day, but Corbin Burns literally had the same peripherals as Trevor Bauer last year, and he's one of the highest spin rate guys in the league. How do we not have him at least going inside the top three hundred? How this is just mind blowing to me. Apparently, because nobody knows who he is. So who is Corbin Burns? I know who he is. Who is he? He's That's a, why. That's got to be why nobody knows. He's he was one of the top. I think he might have been a top one hundred prospect at one point. But he's a former top prospect for the Brewers, only 24 years old, super high spin rate guy. Um, he had last year a 15.2% swing strike rate. Now, granted, that was out of the bullpen, but let's say he has a 13% or a 12% um, out of the starting rotation. That's still really good, and it's probably very likely saying how good his pitches are. This isn't just a guy like, oh, he got lucky last year or whatever. No, this guy is really good and probably should be going inside the top 150. Nonetheless, the top 300. I don't know. It just irks me. I just can't believe it. We Maybe so we haven't hyped him up enough. Are you ranking him there thinking he's going to be starting? Yeah. He, uh, I think Council already came out and said he'll be starting, so I'm not too concerned with it. So who gets bumped, or do we care? Well, they, Chasin, Chase Anderson, Zach Davies, Woodruff, and Jimmy Nelson. Yeah, they're going to a place for him. Davies, Anderson, he's better than all those guys you just mentioned. He's probably the best pitcher in that rotation. They're not going to throw him back in the bullpen. All right. Corbin Burns, Milwaukee Brewers. And even if he Uh, is in the bullpen, I'll say this, he's going to be a Josh Hader type. He's going to get you probably 100 innings of under like a 2 ERA and like a 10K per 9. So that's still very valuable, especially in today's game. So this guy, can we at least get him inside the top 300, please, people? Please, I beg of you. All right, I can, I'll can. i sign off on that top 300 whenever I add him to my Fantasy Pros rankings, which look like trash, by the way. 
So my my wild card NFL playoff rankings were were pretty okay, but I'm glad that's over. No more no more NFL ranks for me. Uh, all right, so Joe was mad. Moving on, we have some news. Uh, I want to start with Troy Tulowitzki to the New York Yankees. There's a hole because my boy Gregorius is hurt. Um, I want to believe. I want to believe all the positive reports that he looked really good and in, in the workout that he had, and teams were drooling all over him. I, I want to believe that Tulowitzki comes back, uh, but I don't. How do you how do you feel about it? Uh, well, what when he comes back, he's only going to be back. He's only going to be playing shortstop. What till Didi gets back? Um, yeah, Didi. I mean, they're. I mean, the early estimate probably would be June, but. I think it's safer to say July. So he he's gonna have some time if he can, uh, you know. They and they say that like them signing Tulo wouldn't wouldn't you know stop them from signing Machado. But um, if they do sign Machado, you know, I would think bye bye to that hope for Tulowitzki. But assuming they don't uh, right now, yeah, he I think he'll have a chance. Um, I mean, I probably if he's hitting, I probably won't rank him inside my top three hundred even if they don't send Machado because, I don't know, there's just a lot of unseen. But, I mean, over the years, he's been a made good contact, still has a decent amount of raw power. I mean, he could be, I mean, he's playing Yankee Stadium. It could be a 25 home run guy if he gets the playing time. Yeah, his his ADP does not exist right now. I'm looking at NFBC, and it's like 554. So well, it does not exist. Men pick 273, and that's just – drafts over uh, the last five days. Yeah. I was going to say that's probably because he got signed. Yeah. But still, 270s for Tulowitzki. That's nothing. Um, short right field porch. Uh, you know, some power right field. I'm, I'm, I'm interested. I'll be throwing a dollar on it in some, uh, in some bleary-eyed rounds of my baseball auctions. So well, we'll see. Let me ask you this. Over, under... Tulowitzki spends half the season on the DL. I mean, I don't want to project it. He's healthy now. So, I mean, it doesn't really matter anyway. Like, if I'm I'm not going to draft him to be my starter, I can just, you know, throw something on him. Or if it's a shallow league, just keep my eyeballs on him. And then if I get in a bind, take a, take a chance on a dude in New York. So, it's yeah. not going not gonna to cost me much. Yeah, but I, I love the, the upside in that lineup if he's healthy in that part is awesome. Yeah. I guess the risk is low unless you're drafting with a guy that's been in a coma for like five years, but um, yeah, he should probably be really cheap. I mean, maybe upsides there really. I don't think it's a floor as in like a low floor as in he's going to do poorly. I think it's more of a low floor of, is he going to stay healthy type thing? So it's an interesting, it was an interesting move. I don't think it costs him much money. Um, you know, he's, no. Basically cost him nothing. I think it's like league men, like five hundred fifty grand. Yeah, so it'll be it'll be interesting to see. So yeah, I'm I'm interested. We'll see. Uh, all right, what do we got next? Uh, I am gonna pronounce this right because I googled it. Um, you know, I, I have an answer to the problem last time. I was trying to find it on a website. You know, as if you were looking up a word in a dictionary, and instead I just hopped on YouTube. So you say Kikuchi to Seattle. Um, I think I, I didn't write down the money, but it, it was a three-year deal with a fourth-year option, but it also had an option for like three more years after that. So kind of a funky deal. But anyway, uh, Seattle gets the import again. Um, apparently, Seattle is the hot spot. 
if uh, you know if you're if you're an import. So what do you what do you think about you say Kikuchi? Um, where did you you working on your rankings? Did you did you find a spot for him already? Yeah, around the 160 180 range. Uh, what, the name that came to mind when I was ranking him of like projection wise probably Nathan Eovaldi. Uh, I think, well, I think Nathan Eovaldi was just a tad more walks, like, you know, 22% strikeout rate, around 7 to 8% walk rate. But he's an interesting one. Uh, not a, like, what is it? Is it a slider? A slider is his, like, out pitch or something. I don't want to say that and be wrong, but. Um. Uh. You know, I read uh, Eddie Almaguer, who used to work here, put up put up a nice piece on him. Um, Eddie's in Prospects Live now. I think he's basically a two-pitch guy with a third pitch that he uses about 10% of the time. I know it's fastball. You said Eovaldi. That surprised me because his, his heater, I think, hovers around like the 91-mile-per-hour range. No, his arsenal is not like Eovaldi. I'm just saying um, result-wise. I don't know why. that When I saw you, when I looked into it, when I looked, Start looking at them. Watched a little, I just watched like a little bit of video. There's not much to watch. Um, the name, like result wise, that came into mind was I got you. Um, So his what I'm seeing is fastball between 92 94. Yeah. Um, that's what I'm looking at right now. So I mean, I think he's had some injuries, but also he's on a six man rotation. So you you got to think about like innings cap with him. That's going to play a factor. Um, not yeah. somebody that I'm going to fall all over myself to draft. I think his ADP is going to be a lot higher than, than where you had him around 160. I think he's probably going to keep up to 120s, 110. I don't know. I mean, it, he'll get some height, and yeah. I think he's going to going to creep up. So he, he may not be somebody that you, you wind up with. Um, me, me as well with the innings cap because if I know that's going to be there, I'm probably – Gonna be inclined to try to find somebody in the same range that doesn't have it. I think is so right he's, now in the NFBC he's going around 190, but that's probably just gonna go up since he just signed and his name's in the news. So I'd expect it 150, 160 is probably what I'm gonna project it to be at. Um, the lack of innings, what probably at most he gets 150 innings, I guess. Um, which in today's game that's not as bad. That's probably right. high side. So I'm I'm expecting somewhere between 100, 150, depending on his health and stuff. But um, you know, you don't have to have as much innings as he used to. Uh, just look at James Paxton. James Paxton's a 150 inning guy, but yet he always somehow gets in like the top 20 pitchers every year. So yeah, last year Paxton was around 160, I think. Wasn't that his highest ever? I'm pretty sure. Uh... I hear what you're saying though. Uh, nobody's really throwing 200 anymore. So. Uh, Kikuchi, his men pick over the last few days is uh, 137. Ooh, uh-uh. So uh-uh. After, uh-uh. after the signing, that's that's what you're at least, you know, over the last five days or so per oh. NFBC data, 137. So you're out at 137. Oh, definitely. I, 160 is pushing, what's pushing it for me. I, as I said, I still haven't finished my fantasy pro rankings. At one point, I had Corbin Burns 110, and I don't think that's where I should probably put him. Should probably move him down a tad bit, uh, but um, yeah, that's way too high. I mean, if if you want to kind of import guy like that, uh, that's lesser known, or I guess relatively well known now, just go Merrill Kelly. If you have want one of those like 
new kind of shiny guys that hasn't pitched in the majors. Gomero Kelly had decent stats in the minors and refined his uh, arsenal uh, over there and where he played. I forget where he, I think it was Japan or somewhere, but wherever he played. That name is new to me. So it would probably be new to most people. Yeah. I mean, me and you were talking about it right before uh, right. we got on. And I was like, oh, because it's a name that we haven't seen really. And, you know, you just do your rankings and you don't think about it. I forget why it even came to my mind, but I was like, oh, shit. I was like, I got to make sure to rank him. Is he, let's look at Arizona. Is he slated to start? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Their fifth starter. And he'll probably be um, 30 years old. He'll, he'll probably have around the similar stats as Kikuchi, too, just with an ADP of nothing. Well, so, if he does as a 30-year-old, that's going to be a pretty awesome story for sure. Yeah. So, I mean, if you miss out on Kikuchi, don't feel too bad. Just You can wait probably till the last pick of your draft even um, and get Merrill Kelly. They'll, they'll probably have around the same results. All right, Merrill Kelly. I will have to do some more research because that was not on my list. So, all right, Kikuchi, moving on. Uh, David Robertson signs with the Phillies. Uh, I don't remember the money specs, but I think it was two years, $24 million or something like that. Yeah. Uh, any, any heavy thoughts about David Robertson? Well, you know he did it um, with no agent, right? Yeah, he represented himself. It's pretty cool. Which, yeah, and I don't know. People were mad about that calling greedy. I was like, bro, if you could save an extra two billion dollars, you yeah. would. Too. I don't. I mean, I think it's cool. I um, think somebody else is doing the same thing, but I can't remember who I was reading. Um, but yeah, I, I just saw it the other day. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I mean, Gabe Kapler is very. Uh, we don't know what goes inside the mind of Gabe Kapler, but right now, if they if they have a main closer, it's David Robertson. At least I would presume, um, and he's probably. So I did read that Kapler said during negotiations that he basically like reserved the right to be unconventional. Like he said that up front to Robertson. So, you know, I think it's going to be more of the Kapler headache thing where uh, Robertson and uh, Sir Anthony Dominguez, they, they have different splits as far as like who they're uh, better against. I think, Robertson would get the left-handers and Dominguez the right-handers, and it would just depend on the team that they're playing. Yeah, I, that's the thing. I was in the Slack earlier. I was talking about the Rays and who's going to get the saves there. I was like, they got three pretty good relief pitchers in Chazro, Diego Castillo, and uh, Jose Alvarado. And I was like, I don't know who's going to get the saves though, and that's probably going to be the same thing with Philly. Like, there's not going to be a main closer. But there'll probably be like two or three guys that get the saves, and I would presume that um, Robertson probably gets the bulk of the saves, and then maybe like uh, two thirds, maybe around that, two thirds of half half of the saves is what I'd guess. But then again, I don't know. I Kapler is one one of the new age guys. Um, well, Robert Robertson to left-handed hitters, allowing a career two forty-three woba. Slash line of 186, 186 batting average. So 186, 267, 278. So he is death to left-handed hitters. So, you know, I think it's just going to depend on the moment in the game and who's up and, you know what I mean? Like if it's tough, if it's a string of tough righties, I could see Dominguez going in. If it's a string of tough lefties, then I think it'll be Robertson. So 
I think Kapler will mix and match for sure. So that 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 bullpen will be a headache, I think. Yeah, it, I think most. I think uh, I believe Spore and uh, Mason were talking about it on the last Fangraphs podcast that it's probably going to be like just you know ten teams with like the closer, like the Kenley Jansen type closer, and then maybe like five teams who are like, ah, this guy probably is the closer right now, but we're not sure. And then there's going to be like probably fifteen teams that you're like, I. I don't know who's the closer. They got like three guys and they're just throwing them in. So it's I fancy baseball is going to be interesting the next uh, couple of years figuring that out. But I was thinking about today. It's actually, I don't like, I kind of hate it for fancy, but in another sense, I think it's going to be uh, interesting for fancy. We may have to put like more pitcher slots in there. If that makes sense. Maybe you have to have like a few more pitcher slots for more relief pitchers or something, but the changes in the game, it's not, going to affect fancy and we're going to have to probably figure out new ways to account for some of these lost saves like you know stolen bases are down right now so a guy with 10 stolen bases is more valuable than he was 10 years ago and maybe that's the same thing for saves maybe if a guy gets 10 saves it's the same as a guy getting 20 saves um 10 years ago it's just we, we just got to change the game and change our outlook on certain players and what their value is i think we're going to be drafting short stops in round one and closes in round two <laughs> I'm not drafting closes around two. I'm just hopefully it doesn't get that drastic. We'll see. To where it's like a full blown committee approach by everybody. That would be that would be terrible. But it'd be awesome if there are only like five guys that were gonna get thirty five or forty. That would be awesome. But we're not we're not there quite yet. So at least in Philly, I think those are the main two guys. Um I don't think they're diving down into the Tommy Hunter and you know, in anybody else in that pen. But they might. I don't know, Kapler. He's he's interesting. So anyway, we like Robertson. Um, I actually didn't write it down, but uh, the Yankees made a signing, did they not? Were you were you watching this the last day or so? But too low. What are you talking about? No, a reliever. Oh, Zach Britton. Yeah. Yeah. I got uh, got way more money than uh, than our boy Robertson. So maybe uh, maybe Robertson should have had an agent. I don't know. So. Yeah. I, he won't be closing, so probably not that. And he won't be a long reliever either. So won't have the saves, won't have the – he'll probably only have like 50, 60 innings, so he won't be that important in fantasy. But, man, that Yankee bullpen is going to be absolutely ridiculous. Oh, yeah. I, I tweeted out for sure. Like if you want to maybe not necessarily win money in DFS, but a way to not lose money, like just don't take any hitters against the Yankees next year. So that from Britain to Batanzas to Chapman is – uh. They're going to shorten the game for sure. Yep. Yep. The Yankees kind of have to do that because they refuse to sign starting pitching as well. So, I mean, they got they got Paxton. They're they're resigned Hap. I don't I don't hate it, but yeah, they're they're going to be nasty. So, no hitters against the Yankees in DFS, people. No hitters. That's my obvious advice. Yeah. So anyway, uh, I agree. No no value there for us. He's not even a guy you can really take a stab at. Britain Zach Britton. Um, can't really take a stab at him as a stash because he's not even the number two guy for saves. If if Chapman went down, I think that would be Batances for sure. So anyway, I felt like I should bring it up because it happened, even though it's not exciting. Uh, on that note, Keon Broxton, New York Met, <laughs> who actually like for me is kind of exciting because if I played baseball, I would be the same kind of player. Um, glove first kind of speedy defensive guy that can't hit that sounds a lot like me um unfortunately probably does not move the needle for us in fantasy baseball 
unless you have a hot take. Well, I mean, well, he's got raw power. I'll tell you that much. Um, the exit velocities are there. It's a question of can he have a strikeout percentage under like 30? Absolutely not. <laughs> right now, Steam. What? Okay, Steve, don't even look. What do you think Steamer's projection is on his strikeout rate? Just take a guess. 30, 35. 38. Nah. Well, I don't know. I was just <laughs> guessing. I was just. I just want to guess something really bad. So I felt like 35 would be high. But uh, yeah. Anyway, I'm not really interested. I, I like it for the Mets. You know, defensive guy. Um, the Brewers had to get rid of him because he was out of options. So he he was always going to be gone, just like uh, Domingo Santana, um, who I'm actually a lot more excited about yeah, instead Santana. of Braxton. Santana's value just went up because he's got playing time now. Uh huh. I actually don't. I don't. I don't hate what the Mariners have done. I don't know if that's a hot take. Have you looked at their roster? No, it's I not. Like, I like Jared Dakota. It's not horrible. Like like I feel like every time I hear about the Mariners, they're getting just thrashed. Like oh god another Mariners trade but it, like I don't I don't hate I don't hate it because they still they still got your boy Hanniger they haven't traded him to my Braves yet yeah good luck with that Dakota oh, loves Hanniger it's coming buddy whenever you guys start uh you don't you don't win a few games that you're not supposed to this year and you you lose the games you lose those games y'all are gonna have to trade me some Mitch Hanniger for my right field in Atlanta it's coming Ooh, yeah right mind. now I take that back the Mariners lineup does not look Nah, what do you? Well, I mean, we don't we don't have to have Jay Bruce right there, okay? We can have E five. So Malik's Hanniger, E five. Hold on, you got Senior. Omar Navarez, D Gordon, Malik Smith, and J P Crawford. Crawford walks, and that's about it. Gordon and Smith are not that good. They're good for fantasy, but in the real game, like in real life, offensively, Gordon, not very good. I'll, I'll take Gordon as a number nine hitter for sure. I'm down with it. I I don't hate it. That's all I'm saying. Whenever we get to uh, bold predictions, we I might have a bold prediction about the Mariners team. We'll see. Yeah, and that bullpen, their closers, their top three guys on the depth chart are Sean Armstrong, Anthony Swarzak, and Jason Bradford. So so they're gonna have to they're gonna have to outscore people to win. I like it. Offense. You can't, you can't do that with Malik Smith, D Gordon, J P Crawford, and Omar <laughs> Navarez. My point. You, you skipped over. You skipped over the heart of the lineup. Yeah, four guys can't take your. It's not like they have like Barry Bonds, King Griffey Jr., and um, I don't know who else. Jeff Bagwell. So tell me, tell me an offense that you really like this year. Just throw oh, one out. Uh, Houston. Is that one? Well, <laughs> that one. No. Are you talking? Are talking underrated one? Yeah, sure. Well, not like the stacked Houston Astros. Okay. That's not. That's not fair. Well, you said you said off the top of my head. You put me on the well, spot. Yeah. Let's do let's do the Brewers. Let's look at the Brewers. No, I was going to say the Oakland Athletics. So I hear about here's your Brewers who are stacked, and the first five is legit, and then after that you're at Orlando Arcia. So you're going to tell Arcea's me those, not those terrible. He's trash. not terrible. Trash. Andy Pena is way better than Omar Navarro's. I can say it in Spanish. Basura in Espanol. Trash. Top five, man. They're they're going to carry that team. Well, you know, want to know why the A's win? I'm looking at the A's lineup. They win because they got because they, they have then no, they don't have a superstar. I mean, I guess Matt Chapman's a superstar but, now, but they have a well balanced team. They have Chris, three Chris or four guys. Chris Davis is the superstar. No, Matt. Chapman. They're gonna win. They're gonna win because they hit bombs. That's why they're gonna win. Yeah, but if you look, dude, their outfield. I'm going on tangent. We haven't even started talking about first base, but their outfield is so underrated and so good. 
Nick Martini, Ramon Lariano, Steven Piscotti, Chad Pender, Mark Canna. Those guys are so underrated and they're so good in the there's like offensively they're just so good. I love it. And I didn't even mention Dustin Fowler. Yeah, is he is he triple A right now? Uh, he probably will be. I I think he's one of the guys I think he has options left. I think he's one of the only guys that still have like options or something, or I don't know. They're they're gonna have to do something about the outfielder. Uh, it's interesting. Looks like Martini, Piscotti, and Lariano. Am I saying that right? Yeah. Twenty four so. year old. Uh looks they're slated to uh start. So Pender would be on the bench because he's the platoon guy, right? Doesn't he mash left handers? I'm pretty yeah. sure. Yeah, Pender. By the way, I like Martini going to last season. I almost wrote about him on my underrated prospects. I was like, nah, he's 26. He's probably not going to get any playing time. Dude, there's your bullpen, man. I'm sorry I interrupted. Oakland's bullpen is just fantastic. Billy Bean, dude, he knows what he's doing. But let me ask you this. Nick Martini, what do you think his hard contact rate, StatCast hard contact rate was last season? It must be really good if you're asking. Just, just take a guess. This is going to probably shock people if they haven't looked. If they look. 30, 36 percent. 36? Sure. All right. Hold on. Try and pull it up. 40.2. All right. I like it. I like it. He's oldish. He's 28. I didn't know. Yeah. But he's got, he hits the ball hard, takes walks, and makes good contact. Good player. All right. Well, maybe there's a hot take about Oakland coming up in uh, positional weeks, which start on fake teams January 14th. How about that segue? Bam. This is the last week without positional weeks. Next week, we will slog through catchers on Ooh. fake teams. It's going to be amazing. Jonathan Lucroy hot takes incoming. Hey, there is a hot take about an A in here in the first base. There All right. Well, that's another, that's another excellent segue. Let's do that because this is the first bake. First base, not first bake. I don't know what that would mean. First base podcast. All right. So overall draft strategy for first baseman. We said before this started, we're probably just going to be depressed during catcher week and first base week and second base week until we get to shortstop. Because at first base, we're going to draft a few guys at the top and then take whoever we get when they fall where we like them. Right? You're, draft, you're drafting a few guys at the top. I'm drafting Luke Boyd. I'm I'm drafting Freddie Freeman all day as a Braves fan. Why would I not? Uh, so ADP-wise right now, you're basically looking at a dead heat between Freeman and Goldschmidt for uh, top honors at first base. If you look at uh, NFBC ADP, Goldschmidt's 20 and Freeman is 21. Those are your top two guys. After that, you drop to Rizzo, whose ADP is a full, I don't know, 16 picks later. Around like that. pick 37. So I assume that you're going to tell us that you're taking Rizzo all day, every day. Yes. Did you... Uh... Do you like the poll I ran between who would you take first between Goldschmidt, Freeman, and Rizzo? Uh, I voted, and I can't remember what were what were the results. <laughs> Goldschmidt forty eight percent, Freeman forty seven, and then Anthony Rizzo with that five percent. Those five percent of people, I like that. I like this. See, I think it should be higher than that. I mean, it, like he had the he had the bad start last year. It's like a bad. It was bad. Maybe not even. It wasn't even a month. Well, like it. His K rate was higher than usual, and he wasn't making his hard contact. I did, I did do a little digging. It almost read like he basically had like some, 
I don't know, like some some winter fat or something. Like maybe maybe he just needed to like get in game shape, and then like strikeout rate went down, hard contact came back up. Um, it almost it was just like he just was kind of slow to get started. Like maybe shades of Adam Dunn or something. I don't know. Obviously, the whiff rates are not comparable. You know that about Adam Dunn though. Like he like in the off season, he would like he would like never swing the bat. Really? That, that was that was one of like the more like surprising things I ever heard about a pro baseball player. Yeah, he was just like, eh, you know, I'll pick it back up when the season rolls back around. So maybe maybe his strikeout rate would have been way better if he practiced in the off season. Anyway, uh, Adam Dunn reference. Bam. Yeah. So last year it was Rizzo in round two. I remember distinctly uh, championing Rizzo in round two as a draft strategy. And I employed it in League 10 of the great Fantasy Baseball Invitational, which I won, uh, luckily. But, uh, you know, it took Rizzo a long time to get going. But, you know, I'm, I'm still in. I'm definitely going to be fine taking him in round three if I miss Freddie Friedman. So for me, it's, it's Friedman over Goldschmidt, by the way, by hair. Is that, a, is that a hot take? It can't be if they're that close in ADP. What, that uh, Freeman? Yeah, Freeman over Goldie. Um. Yeah, it's just me. Yeah, I mean, they're basically exactly. Um. See, the reason I like Rizzo better than both of them is, you know me. I'm I look I go a lot in stat cast and stuff. And when I looked at Freeman's launch angles, they uh, weren't optimal for like home run power. They were like he his like data showed that he should be a really high bat guy, but last season it showed that he was like a 25 homer guy and that's good and i'll take that but i don't want to take that in the second round um i don't think we're going to see freeman hit like 35 bombs again or anything like that but i think he's going to be like a 300 batting average guy 25 28 home runs and that's good and i'll take that in like the third or fourth round but for the yeah second I'm, round, I'm taking it for the for the floor which in the early goings is what i'm is what i'm going for so I do, I hear what you're saying for sure. Like you're not going to take Freeman thinking he's going yeah, to pop five or forty home runs, but it, you know, just all around player, high batting average, which is tough to find sometimes. So, um, anyway, for giggles in the the first base review that I wrote a little while ago, uh, this fun thing I'm doing for me, at least it's fun for me, looking at the league average or the the league totals, the slash line for all first basemen last year. And seeing who, which first basemen were above average in walk rate, strikeout rate, and ISO. Both of our guys were two of the three. So Freddie Friedman, Anthony Rizzo were above average in walk rate, strikeout rate, and ISO compared to their peers. The third one is a Seattle Mariner. His name is Carlos Santana. Is that is that weird? That's crazy. I didn't I didn't expect that. I expect it. He's just going to be a terrible bad guy. Well, I didn't I didn't expect. Santana to make it uh, on ISO, but I was wrong. Yeah. I, I mean, mean he's, got, he's got raw power. It's just a question of is he going to hit 212 this season? Yeah. Whoa, what happened to your – you okay over there? Hmm? Yeah, what happened? <laughs> I don't know. I saw a lot of a lot of movement. I don't know. Oh, like no. I'm just, somebody, somebody broke into your house or something. No, I'm just laying on my bed. I'm lazy today. I don't have a setup on the uh, Nice. On the table. All um, right, well – that's, that's the elite guys. So what about when it gets a little less clear? How about you? Um, 
at least if we're looking at NFBC data, you basically have Cody Bellinger around or so after Rizzo, ADP of 48, and he's kind of in a tier of his, tier of his own. It's a big, uh, you got to get to the 70s until you get to Carpenter and Botto. So are you buying, are you buying Cody Bellinger, Cody Bellinger being like a, you know, if you miss out on the top three, is he worthy of that kind of consolation pick around pick 48? Is it weird that I don't know? I don't know if I like Cody Bellinger, if I hate him or if I just like him like, eh, I, I, I don't know how I feel on Cody Bellinger. No, it's not weird. I think we're, I think we're fleshing it out. That's what this is all about. Um, I don't think it's weird. Uh, so he was, he was a tale of two halves last year. Um, in the per, in the first base review, I mean he he hit 17 home runs in the first half, and his batting average was right around like 240. And then in the second half, I think it was like maybe seven home runs, but his his average was all the way up in like the 280s or something. But uh, BABIP was really high in the second half. Um, it just it read kind of like he got a little unlucky in the first half, and then maybe pretty lucky at least his batting average is concerned in the second half. But it it also is like you know. Is he going to be that kind of thirty-five home run power guy, or is he, or is he not? I kind of lean towards thinking that he is. So, um, thirty home runs doesn't seem too insane to me for Cody Bellinger. Yeah, um, I projected on that like a two fifty average, thirty home runs, and like twelve stolen bases. And I think that's yeah, probably going to be. Well, and he's got some wheels. So, I mean, as hard as he hits the ball, and as fast as he is, I mean, it, um, I think that the Babbitt is, uh, you know. We, we can find reasons to, to trust the, the higher Babbitt for Cody Bellinger. So, I mean, it, to me, it's like a 20, 25 homer floor and like a 10-ish stolen base floor. So I, I think I'm totally fine pulling the trigger on that, like late in round four. What's the ceiling on home runs? 45? Uh, I think the ceiling 50. is like 35, 50. 40. I don't think 50, not in that part. I would never say that. What about if, he you? Has, if he has a full season of at bats or plate appearances, you think? Uh, I think I, forty-five is obviously doable because he was on a forty-five pace his rookie season. But how, how he's like twenty-two or something, isn't he? Twenty-three. Uh, I think he's a tad bit older. I can. He's, he's twenty-three. I'm looking at it right now. Um, so I think now ceiling has been the very highest he could get. He could probably get um, fifty. And I did, but that's. I'm not expecting that. As I said, I'm expecting him to get 30. So I think he's a very high, he's got a very high disparity between floor and ceiling. And I think that's one of the reasons I don't know how to feel about him um, because he could be a top 10 player in fantasy, but he could also end up outside of the top 100. It's just very interesting. But I will say he did have um, an improving contact rate. His contact percentage went up about 3%, so that's something I like to see from a power hitter like that. And his strikeout rate was only 24%, which is actually really good for a guy with his raw power and his size. So, I think, I think you're telling me you're drafting Cody Bellinger if you're thinking 30 home runs, double-digit steals, you know, big upside, only 23. Sounds like you like him. I'm just, I'm just throwing it out there. I, I, I like him. I'm just I'm wondering if you do. I could talk myself into it. I think it's going to depend on who's left on the board who I'm drafting with. Um, I'm drafting with the people that are taking Corbin Burns as 350th pick. I probably will pick someone else up. But Nice. Corbin Burns. All right. Um, well, 
So draft strategy for us, basically, I love Freddie Freeman at the top. You're really into Rizzo. I like Bellinger more than you do. Then you'd have to fall all the way to the 70s, 70, 80. You're looking at Carpenter, Joey Votto, or Aguilar, Jesus Aguilar. So that's basically a pairing of three. Do you have any, do you have any strong takes on those three? Carpenter, Votto, Aguilar? How would you, how would you rank those guys, maybe? Carpenter, Votto, Aguilar. Exactly how you just said it. Or no, nice. I think I think uh, no, I think I have Carpenter ahead of Votto. Or do I don't know. Votto and Carpenter. They're, they're close. Care. Yeah, they're, they're close. So I was talking to you about NFBC, how I think it's insane that Votto and Aguilar only have a one-pick difference. Like, I know Votto had a bad um, season, but his peripherals were still good. And he's still Joey Votto. And... Um, I was, yep. I was saying I think he could should still probably be going around the top 50, top 60 range. Going around pick 80 is kind of ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, my – I don't know. I think people drafting right now are smarter than the average bear that would be drafting whenever we're, you know, doing our hometown leagues and people are showing up, you know, two months from now getting ready for baseball. So everybody into it right now is pretty sharp. Um like his ex Wobo was great last year. Tons of hard contact. Line drive rate was solid. Like it. Like I don't see anything to scare me away from Joey Votto this year. So um, I agree with you. I think I would put Carp ahead of him, but right after that, Votto for me. Um, then it then it really starts to get murky, uh, and I think we both have kind of landed on liking Matt Olson. Does that does that sound fair to say? Yeah, um, it's kind of. Uh... Well, his projections are kind of like what I said with Bellinger, except probably without the stolen bases. Um, but he's going to be probably hit for around a 250 average. And I'm, I'm going to give him 35, 40 home runs, if that seems right, with a full season of at-bats. Um, he had a uh, – what do you think his uh, hard contact rate was on uh, StatCast? Uh, I don't know. You know, I'm a fan graphs hard contact guy. Let me let me say 30 – you're asking, so it's got to be high. 38%? 52 Whoa! Are you sure? I'm looking at it right now. Fifty-two percent. Yeah, it's because the difference in hard contacts with Fangraphs and uh, Statcast is uh, Fangraphs looks more at fly balls, like their hard contact also um, has something to do with like the trajectory of the ball, not only how hard it is hit, but while Statcast it's just balls hit over ninety-five miles an hour, and that would. I put, thought it, I thought it was the opposite. I thought Fangraphs. Would- was balls hit 95 or above you're talking you're talking about barrels sounds like is what you're describing no hard hard, hard hit balls it's just the hard hit balls for stack cast is just 95 and above and then fan graphs it's like something about not only how hard it is but also the trajectory of the ball so like how far the ball goes or something like that some i don't know the exact measurements but um his 52 percent would put him as the fifth highest uh hard contact rate just behind Aaron Judge, Ryan Zimmerman, Kendrys Morales, and J.D. Martinez. Yeah, so Fangrass has him at 47.3% last year, which has got to be like one of the top four or five in the league, if not top two, three. Let's see. Hard contact leaders. Yeah, he was eighth in hard contact last year. Yep. Uh, um, number one, we just said his name, Matt Carpenter. Um if you want to hear my hot take, my hot take is that Matt Olson will be better than Chris Davis uh, this season. Uh, he, will give you, he will give you more fantasy value. 
It was definitely a hot take. Well, value would have to do with ADP, so I could definitely see Olsen having more value, but it... Matt Olsen will finish above Chris Davis on Play Rider. How about there, that? There you go. Your base, all right. Yeah, that's a hot take for sure. Save that one for first base week. Two oh, weeks if we, if we survive catcher week. All right, yeah, we're both uh, we're both liking Olsen. Uh, 29 home runs last year, not bad, not bad. There are only, I think, five guys who got 30 or above. So I like the power once it starts to get like weird and murky. I think you get a little bit of a smoke screen with Oakland's home park. So some people might be a little scared of Matt Olsen. Uh, we are not, not as hard as he hits the ball. So, uh, yeah, sign me up. He's actually going two picks after Joey Gallo. What do you, Gallo or Olsen, who you got? Olsen, definitely. Yeah, I agree. I don't want the, I don't want the batting average sinkhole with Gallo, even though he is going to hit 40 home runs. I was thinking about this actually yesterday. Why, and it's going to be, I'm about to mention a guy we're going to talk about later, um, probably, but why would you draft Joey Gallo when you can get Joey Gallo Jr. and Peter O'Brien with, no price at all, like as your last pick in the draft. Peter O'Brien has an immense amount. I think his hard contact rate was above 52. Like, and he offers, I feel like he offers a higher ceiling than Gallo too. It's just, he hasn't really been in the major leagues. And I just. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think the quick question is, is O'Brien going to get the playing time? I think that's the question. Yes. He's playing for the Marlins. They have no one. And in that park, that doesn't scare you either. No, it would, and uh, he wasn't if he didn't have some of the best raw power in the game. I mean, if look at Stanton, it didn't affect Stanton. That's just because Stanton hits the ball so hard. O'Brien right. is one of those guys that, like, there's very few guys that don't get affected. Like, I would say O'Brien, Gallo, Stanton, Judge. Yeah. Maybe like Sano. Yeah. So right now he's projected to bat six. You got to think that he's probably not hitting six, especially if they trade. Real Muto, uh, he could be hitting cleanup if he's that strong of a dude. Yep. Right, right now, Brian Anderson is the cleanup hitter. But as soon as the catcher goes, I think Brian Anderson will hit third in that in that lineup. I like Brian Anderson this year. Segway. Yeah. Say that for third base week. I like Brian Anderson. He's pretty underrated. Underrated rookie season last year for sure. Uh, although it was probably really easy to be underrated as a rookie last year, in especially in the NL. So, uh, unfortunately, his name was not Ronald Acuna. Yeah, isn't that or crazy? Or Juan Soto. Walker Bueller was the third best rookie last year. Jack Flaherty was the fourth best rookie in the NL last year. That is amazing. I thought I thought Anderson finished fourth in the voting, but I don't. I know he was. I know he was down there a little bit. No, I wasn't last talking about where they finished. I was just kind of going off the top of my head. Like, oh, I got you. I got you. All right. Well, that was. Uh, what about anybody else in the middle range? That's basically one name. We didn't mention uh, Jose Abreu, Max Muncy. Uh, here, let's last kind of mention Gallo. But uh, anything on those guys? Uh, Abreu, Muncy. Let's talk about last season's breakouts. Rank here. Rank rank these five guys in order of where you want to draft them. Jose Martinez, Max Muncy, Jesus Aguilar, Luke Ford, and Tyler White. All right. So Martinez is off the board because he's not even starting. So he he's not starting at first because Goldsmith's there and they like Fowler's defense and right. So I think he's he's totally off my board right now. So you said Aguilar and Muncie? Yes. That's how I have those two. Who are the other names? Voight and Tyler White. Uh, I'll take Voight over White. 
There we go. There we go. I'm glad. Glad my uh, my Luke Void. Uh, what would you call it? Um, uh, affection. Yeah, it's starting to starting to kind of creep in on you. Obsession. Yeah. Sooner sooner or later, you're going to be uh, in your drafting. All of a sudden, you're going to be in the fifth round. You're going to take Luke Void. And you're going to be like, wait, what? How did that happen? No, I don't <laughs> think so. I don't know. I don't think so. So who? Tyler White is he is he going to get at bats? Do we really think so? Um, well, now with the Michael Brantley signing, the question is, I mean, Gaddis is gone. So right now they have Tyler White slated as the DH, but I would rather have Kyle Tucker in at DH than Tyler White. And Tucker, Tucker is not a prospect who hasn't had uh, major league time. Like he's already had a fair amount of major league time. So his clocks already start ticking. So I think he'll probably be up to start the season. And I'm guessing... Um, I don't know. I'm I'm interested to see what Houston does. It they, seems like they uh, throw Brantley in that DH spot to make sure he's healthy. You know, stave off some injury, I would think. Yeah, I mean their teams are so good; they can do whatever they want. Hey, here's here's a hot take. Some of these guys are older than I thought they were on Houston's roster. Do you know Yuli Gurriel is 34, 34 yeah. and a half? I was going to guess not, 33, but I I did not know that. Chirinos is 34 and a half. Reddick is meh anyway, and he's already 32 almost. I mean, it, I don't, I don't know, man. Some of those older bodies, I'm not, I'm not. I don't think you're going to have to worry about Tucker getting in baths. I think he'll probably find a way, hopefully. Well, that's hopefully. what I'm planning on. All right. All right. All right. So anybody else in the middle tier, middle-ish tier? Um, Jose Abreu? Oh, uh, I can. Like I like him. Where's he going? I, I can tell you if I like where him compared to where he's going. 85. Uh, per NFBC, right after Aguilar, six picks. He's the eighth first baseman off the board. Pick eighty six. Yeah. Um, I could actually I, see myself getting a share or two of Abreu. Probably, yeah, I'm fine with that too. I like that. I think I have him ranked in like the mid sixties, low seventies range. Um, he's a very aggressive uh, guy at the plate. So he's going to be a low walk rate guy, but he also um, is going to be a low K rate guy as well due to that aggressiveness. Um, he's yep. got tremendous raw power. So he's probably like his 22 home runs last season. That's probably going to be bumped up to maybe around anywhere between the mid thirties to high twenties. Um, um, I think uh, his uh, batting average of 265 will probably be bumped up. I'm projecting somewhere like, mid 270 range so for 86 pick I, i'm pretty okay with picking him up there and he's a very the other thing with him is he's very consistent very healthy i think he was last season of, did he get hurt last year 553 plate appearances i'm guessing he was hurt for a little bit uh i don't remember but also didn't have him in a lot of places if he did i don't i don't think it was for very long yeah yeah i mean before that he had uh four seasons above 600 plate appearances so okay we'll have, have to dig a little i have no problem taking them at the 85th pick at all i think that's a pretty good deal yep i am uh, fine with it too he would have made the the list of three if it were not for his walk rate so his strikeout rate solid has a lot of power his uh, his walk rate was below average though it was around like 6.7 percent so uh not high, so if you play in OBP leagues, you can you can ding Jose Abreu a little bit. Not a lot, though. It's not like it's a non-existent walk rate. So yeah, 
He's got a 45% hard contact rate. Yeah, per fan graphs, it's uh, 37.9, which was 11th among first basemen last year. But uh, obviously still still good right at 38%. So not as much soft contact as some of the guys going ahead of him. So, yeah, I like Abreu. I'm fine with that. Uh, I think that's pretty much it for the middle. So unless you have guys that – you're kind of thinking that we missed in the middle. It might be it might be sleepers time. Um. Oh, you forgot. We forgot to talk about your buddy. Who's my buddy? Your, your buddy Miggy. Miggy. What, what, what are you doing with Miggy? I'm not doing anything with Miggy. Miggy is uh, not getting drafted by yours truly. Um. Let's see. He's the 15th guy off the board right now. ADP of 158. He's actually going ahead of Hosmer and. I would take Hosmer, and I don't like Hosmer at all. Okay, but me and you were talking about this. There's a guy that picked them as the 113th pick and won the draft. That's true. I think, I think yes. his ADP is uh, his 158 ADP is a little bit higher than it should be. But um, I also think he's going to be one of those guys because his name's Miguel Cabrera. That there's going to be people that are like, "This is Miguel Cabrera, one of the greatest hitters of all time. I'm going to draft him early because he's got super potential." And there's other people. That are going to be like, oh, Miguel Cabrera, he's been terrible. I don't even want to, anything of him. I won't even draft him in the top 300. So yeah, that's I, think, me. I think there's a, two very different groups. There's, and I'm like in the middle of, well, if he falls to like the 180, 190 range, then I'm fine with taking Miggy. Um, I know he's been hurt a lot and stuff, but you know, if you look at his uh, expected stats and real stats on like uh, stat, or on a baseball savant, uh, you'll notice that he's had some really bad luck the past like three or four seasons that like even when he was hitting 300, he was projected to be a better hitter. And you're like, dang, I mean, I believe, hold on. Before, that's a long, that's a long time to have bad luck. Yeah. And it's, uh, no, he's a right-hander. I don't know. I don't know exactly why it is. I was going to say, I think he's a right-hander, not a left-hander. And yeah. So it's not about, uh, yeah, Miggy definitely bats right-handed. Yeah, I mean, uh, for me, it's for me, it's. I mean, I don't want to just call it oh. ageism, but he he is thirty-five, and he was a walking wound last year. So, I don't. I I remember distinctly like during the injury where he was basically like, "I'm not coming back to play until I'm a hundred percent," you know, or like, I just if he gets dinged up, I mean, and they're going to manage his at bats anyway. I would think. Um, I just don't know. I don't see why I would want to have Miguel Cabrera on my team this year. Well, he had a 55% hard contact rate still. I just don't expect him to play much. I mean, I don't, you know. Yeah, I mean, I get it, but kind of with the upside, you're getting like, it's not like his decline was like, oh, he stopped hitting the ball hard and stuff. I mean, he still hit the ball hard. The only problem is he's hurt all the time. The Tigers, Tigers weren't resting him. I remember they kept playing him hurt, and you're like, all right, something's wrong with Maggie. They just kept throwing them out there like, we don't have anyone else to play. Who are we going to play? Um, well, and the the one glaring thing that sticks out last year is the ground ball rate, which was 54.5%. So, and I think that probably had something to do with him being hurt is what I – I mean, yeah, if you look at his career, it, it looks like it. I mean, it definitely sticks out like a sore thumb, so it, it makes sense that injury had a part to play. But, it, you know, he's 35. Uh, I don't know. He's expected to be 100% for spring training. I'm just, I just don't see why I have to risk anything by taking Cabrera. If I, if I'm taking Cabrera, something definitely went wrong 
early in my draft, at which point, honestly, I would probably wait and take uh, Carlos Santana or or your boy, Luke, Luke Boyd. Boy. Yes, that's what I was about to uh, interrupt you there and make sure you mentioned Luke Boyd. I would yeah. take uh, uh, who you want, Carlos Santana or Luke Boyd. Luke Boyd. I figured you'd say that. <laughs> I, I mean, at that point in the draft, I'm probably chasing some upside too. So I'll take I'll take Luke Boyd, unless it was some kind of strange OBP thing that I don't normally do. Uh, if it was OBP, I definitely would take Santana. But, uh, but yeah, I'd take Voigt in a vacuum. Yep. Uh, so I think since we brought up Voigt, let's move into sleeper land. Unless you have objections. No. I might, you just, the whole you just wanted me to hate on Miggy. Yeah, basically. And yeah. I mean, my point with Miggy is if he's around like pick 200, I'm fine with you know taking him. He's still really good. It's just a question of if he's going to be healthy and all that. And yeah. he, he might not be healthy, but that's why he's there at pick 200. I'm like, I'll take him. I'll see how it goes. If he does poorly, I'll release him and it's fine. I'm in the other camp that you mentioned that will not take him pretty much no matter what. And if I get burned, that's fine. I'll be, I'll be fine with it at that point. So, all right. I think that this conversation should start with Luke Voigt, I assume. Right. Um, Tell me. I, I didn't put him in the sleepers list because I did love talking about him, but I'll give you- for you, for you, he's not a sleeper. Yeah. Well, I guess I've been talking about him so much. He's probably not at this point, but uh, I'll do a little quick hit on him. Uh, his, X stats. I'm going to try just off the top of my head. His, he had like a over 300 uh, expected batting average. Um, he had one of the highest hard hit rates um, in the leagues compared to people with the same amount of bat at ball events. Um, he has he drives the ball a lot. Um, the one thing, only complaint I have on him was his low contact rate, which was 68.9 percent. Um, but even then, he only struck out 26% of the time, which isn't too bad for a guy with his hard contact rate. And his uh, strikeout rate at AAA was 18.1. So there's a chance, you know, maybe he gets that strikeout rate down. And uh, Steamer's currently projecting a 22.6% strikeout rate. So that if he can get that, then he is probably a 260, 270 hitter with 30 bombs. And that is very valuable for where is he going? Oh, where's he going? Voight, he is right at 200. Yep. 199. Yeah. So if you get that at 200, a 260, 270 hitter that hits 30 home runs, that is fine for your draft. He's going after Jose Martinez, who basically does not have a job right now. Yep. Let's see. I would rather have him over. These are guys that are ahead of him. I'd rather have him over Guriel. I'd rather have him over Martinez. I'd rather have him over Hosmer, Cabrera, Desmond. Um, I might rather have him over uh, E5 too. Yeah, that's 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 hot takey for yeah. sure. Um, Profar, I'm not really counting as a first baseman. I'm just throwing that out there. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about Profar. Um, as I said, I have. Uh, I mean, we don't like him going to Oakland, but I like him as a shortstop. I think if uh, you know, we'll get we'll get there when we get to shortstop. Yeah, I don't. I mean, we we can't like the park move, but. I do like Profar as a player. Um, yeah, I mean, there's like that glut of people that, you know, Desmond, Miggy, Hosmer, Martinez, Voigt, Santana. Like, it's just like, you know, anybody could kind of come out of that and push for, you know, a top 12 finish. So, uh, Voigt in that part makes sense. 
how is Desmond still going in the one forties? That's my question. How shouldn't we be giving up on Desmond now? How why is this still happening? What is going on? <laughs> I mean, it's the power speed thing. I yeah. think his power I mean, is nice when it's a ground ball. It's, he sure shows a tremendous amount of power when uh, he hits that ground ball to first base every time. Yeah, what was his rate last year on the ground? Do you remember? I know it was bad. Uh, I think I, I'm not looking at, but I think his ground ball to fly ball rate was like three. Yeah. So I mean, he's he's still starting though. Like he's he's not going to play first because they just signed Daniel Murphy. Uh, so he's going back to the outfield. But as of right now, he's still starting, and he plays in Colorado. Um, he's 33, and he, you know, prior to the last year or so, I think he was pretty durable. So I'll uh, I'll probably have some Desmond this year. You're just totally out on Desmond. Uh, I don't even know. I'll rank him inside my top 300. But hot take right here. I don't even think he finishes inside like the top 250. Yeah, I definitely call it a hot take. So ADP right now is about 142, the 14th first baseman off the board. And I think I'd rather consider him there where first base is kind of, you know, pretty junky. After you get through the first 10 or so hitters, it's kind of, you know, is E5 too old? Is Mickey too old? Hosmer can't hit, like Hosmer has a bad first base profile. Um after like the top ten or eleven, it kind of gets pretty pretty ugly. So I, I like people, I like considering Desmond as a first baseman. And I know people are probably sitting there like, "Oh, well, you like Christian Yelich? Yelich has a high um, ground ball to fly ball rate." Yes, but Christian Yelich also hits the ball has a hard hit percentage above fifty percent and uh, has one of the best hard contact percentages. So he's able to kind of overcome that high ground ball rate because he hits the ball so hard. Desmond hits yeah. a hard but not like immensely hard it's like around the 34 percent range or something like that uh i don't know i know yelich is top 10 though yelich was ahead of uh matt olson who we just talked about yeah. by the way yelich last year i thought i think he is oh no sorry desmond has a 43 percent hard contour. Well, maybe he'll probably be higher than i said then um i didn't think it was that high but all right so what's the what's the revision then so gonna be outside the top 200 Cold-blooded. Well, I'll have some shares. That's fine. Joe hates catchers and Ian Desmond. I hate catchers except for Williams Studio. Okay. Well, we gotta we gotta save that one for the for catcher week, right? Yeah. Is he is he even gonna be a catcher? I don't. Know. Who knows? All right. Uh, Yellow had a forty-seven percent hard contact rate last year. Just throwing it out there. Anyway. Uh. All right. Well, who did we? Who are we talking about? Are we talking about sleepers now? Yeah. Yeah, Dan Vogelbaum. Uh, well, are we skipping Jake Bowers? Is he a sleeper? Do we call him a sleeper? Did I skip him? Yeah, we skipped Bowers, man. Oh, that was my bad. He's got to be a sleeper. His ADP is like 266. Yeah. Um, right, right after Josh Bell, who's also a sleeper. I like Bell. Where uh, where do you have Bowers ranked next season? Uh, I don't know. Definitely not 27th because he ain't going to be behind – Tyler White and uh, Marwin Gonzalez. Uh, Miggy is going to be way down my board. Sorry. Uh, probably probably in the top 24 with some uh, some upside. He might be top 20 for me. I don't know. I think I had him uh, last look at my rankings. I had him in just inside the top 200. Um, oh, see, I'm thinking about I'm thinking about among first basemen, and you're thinking, you know, big board. I don't yeah. do big boards much. I know that makes me weird. 
Well, I, the only reason I say that is because I was just doing this like right before we came on. So yeah, fresh in my head. But uh, Bowers, Bowers is interesting. I mean, he offers twenty twenty potential. Um, he is very patient at the plate. He doesn't have a terrible contact rate, but his patience at the plate causes him to have a higher strikeout rate. You know, his uh, 22.8% by steamer is probably actually generous. I'm expecting like over 23, maybe even a 24%. Uh, so I don't think the average, the average might not be there. Like he may be a 240 hitter, um, but if he's a 2020 guy, 245 hitter, um, it's pretty, pretty good for like, what twentieth round or so? Yeah, yeah, I, I like Bowers. I'm surprised the Rays traded him. Um, you know, honestly, I think I momentarily forgot that the Indians now have Carlos Santana as well. I might have even said he was in Seattle still. He that guy has been on the move. Anyway, um, yeah, I mean, right now he's slated to pay to play first base for Cleveland. So I don't, I don't get the lowish ADP. He's a he's a speedy guy. So. And the and the speed is for real. He's kind of a double digit guy. Um, you know, I, I like Bowers quite a bit. I don't I don't see why he's that low, honestly. I think it's just the batting average. The fear of a low batting average uh, causes people to uh, back off a little bit. But it's but I you mean, got you got that everywhere almost. Yeah. You know, like you're looking you're talking about that with Cody Bellinger, and he's a top four guy right now. I think uh, I think his. Uh, his like home run stolen base and batting average numbers will be quite comparable to Ian Desmond. I think. Oh yeah, I like that take. Yeah, sure. I, I think they'll be very comparable. But he's also going to have uh, more uh, runs too because he walks a lot more than. Yeah, I, I like Bowers. He's he's probably going to be somebody I wind up with uh, in a corner infield slot, maybe. Um, just my mindset's going to be to try to grab. Ten or so steals, uh, top to bottom in my lineup, and Bowers definitely fits that. Um, you know, not the same power, but maybe Cody Bellinger, light, 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 really, really light. But uh, there aren't going to be many first basemen that can give you ten stolen bases, so I'm uh, I'm down with that. So I like it. Anything else on Bowers? Uh, I think that's about it. All right. Well, I think we got. A couple more sleepers on your list. Uh, you'll have to tell me about Dan Vogelbach. He's not somebody that I know very well, even though I think he is like a uh, – isn't he like a Seattle fan favorite? Am I making that up? Well, I don't know about fan favorite, but people uh, want to see him play first. They have Ryan Healy, and it's like just give Dan Vogelbach a chance. Like they, they like the past three seasons, they'll just send him up for like just a cup of coffee, and then they'll be like, nah, you're good. Um, and they don't give him a chance to really play. Uh, but he's a – He's a very interesting guy, and on the thing I said, kind of, um, today I put out like a bold prediction thing, and I was like, he's gonna, Dan Vogelbach's probably gonna be like this year's Luke Voigt type player, you know, kind kind of like not really a top prospect, but comes up, does really well, and catches a lot of people by surprise. Um, he uh, makes really good contact, and he has a really good plate discipline. His uh, career O swing is twenty one point six. And he has a 77.7% contact rate in the majors, but um, that's probably low. Last season in AAA, he had a 5.1 swinging strike rate. Um, and I really, he's, I want to say he's a guy that's like continued to rework his swing over the past three years. Um, and last year, he tried to work his swing towards like more power. 
and I'm pulling it up right now. I believe his hard contact rate was ridiculous. Yep, 52.5% hard contact rate in his uh, 61 batted ball events. So it's a small sample size, but I'm I feel like if he had a full season of uh, at bats, that hard contact rate would probably still be above 40. And he he also he's one of those line drive guys we talk about. He drives the ball. He's going to have a high bat bit because he has the ability to drive the ball and hit it hard. Um, he is very slow, but if you're hitting a ball to the outfield in the outfield gap, you don't have to worry about being fast to get on base. Uh, he got unlucky last year then in the in the small cup of coffee with a 246 Babbitt. Yep. But we're talking 37 games, 87 at-bats. Yeah, yeah. I think what we're probably looking at next season is probably like a 19% strikeout rate, um, probably like a 10 to 11% walk rate, a 270 batting average, probably like 25, 30 home runs. That's if he gets the full season of at bats, but I don't think so. Like right now, Healy's on the bench because Seattle's starting E five at first, and if you think Jay Bruce can still hack it, he'll be he'll be filling up the DH spot. Well, I'm, they're trading one of those two, aren't they? I don't know. They haven't yet, have they? No, but they still got a lot of off season. I forget uh, what the plan. I. I was listening to something, and they're kind of talking about it, some podcast, and I forget what they said the plan is. But uh, the plan is, I think, to believe to trade at least, if not both of them, at least one of them. Huh. Well, we'll see. I'm not going to pretend to understand what Seattle's doing. Um, he's only ever played first in the majors, so. Yeah, Vogelbach's only playing first. He's a uh, he's a big dude. He's not moving around. He's more of a DH, anyways. You could, because uh, I believe his defense is atrocious uh, well if that's if that's the case i don't know why e5 is there then yeah. or you know i don't know i don't know what they're doing yeah they just need to give him a chance and i promise if they give him a chance you'll be pleasantly surprised on how he does all right well they need to trade mitch hanniger to the braves as well just just throwing it out there we'll oh, send God. you guys some uh, young controllable starting pitching that you can have for a long time just i'm not i'm not a mariners fan so i don't really care you're a Hanniger fan. I got you. Yeah. All right. Well, all right, Dan Vogelbach. We'll see if he gets some time. I mean, like right now, Healy's not even starting. He's on the bench. So hopefully they make a move and open up some at-bats. Until then, we got to talk about Peter O'Brien, who you ranked pretty high in your top 300 compared to most top 300s. Yes. Um, well, he's going like uh, – he has like an ADP of like 560 right now. So non-existent, pretty much. Yeah, he's free in your normal redraft ten or twelve team league. He's free. Yeah. So what do we need to know about Peter O'Brien? Um, I believe we talked about him a little bit on the Sleepers podcast. Um, if I'm correct, but basically this is a guy that has like gallows raw power, um, hits a ton of fly balls. And last season he had a uh, um. Hold on, I'm pulling it up. Uh, last season, he had great line drive rates at every level except double A. So um, he should be a high bat guy with that line drive rate and uh, raw power. And then his uh, contact rate is, is uh, like 72%. So, uh, you know, he might not swing and miss as much as you'd uh, expect. Probably would be like anywhere, have a striker rate probably anywhere between like 28.5 to 
33%. It's just going to depend. It's a small sample size, so you know the uh, probabilities are a little bit higher, the variance. But uh, I really like him. I have him projected with his line drive rates last season. I think he's going to be like possibly a 250 hitter um, with uh, the ability to put up like 40 home runs, which is why I rank him like I do. And I rank him at the low end of the top 300 because with that potential, I'm fine with taking that. Uh, at the end of the draft. And you know what? If he is terrible and if he's hitting 160, you know, and just hitting like just a couple home runs, I can drop him and I won't be uh, upset at all about it because I won't have to pay much of a price for him. Yeah, it's small sample last year, 2018, looking at 22 games, 74 plate appearances. But the previous two years, the K rate was over 40%, but last year it came down to 29, which is still not good, but it did come down a lot. Batting average was 273, uh, tons of hard contact, line drive rate, super healthy. Um, profile definitely looks – it doesn't look bad. I mean, it's, it's just all going to be about can the strikeouts come down. Does it not kind of look like a Joey Gallo-type profile? Uh, yeah, I don't know Gallo's strikeout rate off the top of my head, but, yeah, it, it definitely like, – Gallo's like 36, I think. Gallo's an extreme pool guy. Um so is O'Brien. Looks like, although he was a little bit more balanced in 18. His his first year in the majors, his pull rate was 60%. Well, that was only over 12 plate appearances. Oh, okay. There you go. And then in 16, the plate appearances were a little bigger. It was 51.4%. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. 12, 12 plate appearances. That makes sense. So, I mean, do you kind of get what I was saying about Kyle oh, yeah, yeah. in the podcast? Yeah, that's, that's definitely... That makes sense. That's the comp for sure. They're Joey Gallo's three years younger. I just want to throw it out there. Yeah, but I mean, Gallo's basically, I think what we see from Gallo now is basically what we get from Gallo going forward for the rest of his career. He's basically, Gallo's basically the Adam Dunn of this generation. Yeah, he, he settled into like a 35, 36% strikeout rate, which is just really high. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, his because of his swing, he kind of uh, like, basically uppercuts the ball kind of, and uh, he's going to get a lot of fly balls, which is going to cause him to get a uh, low bat biff. So he'll probably never be really a high batting average guy or even a moderate batting average guy. Yeah, so the difference in O'Brien and Gallo is Gallo hits a lot more or a lot less line drives. He hits a lot more fly balls. Yeah. Pull, pull rate, hard contact rate, those are about the same, but uh, Peter O'Brien has a lot more line drives. So maybe, maybe he's Gallo-esque, but... Uh, higher batting average, which would be which would be a good thing. I think he's better than Joey Gallo, honestly. But well we'll wait and see. Yeah, I like I like that. I'm glad I looked at Peter O'Brien. Good call, man. Thank you. Um and by I, like way, I, I had some, some I had some guys marked that were going ahead of him. And uh let me just oh, say, let me say people, some names. Some of whom we've never heard of. At least one of these guys, I don't know who he is. You got Dexter Fowler John Gant, Alex Gordon, Jason Hayward, and Yolmer Sanchez for the Chicago White Sox. Yolmer Sanchez. <laughs> Yolmer Sanchez is like a 10 home run guy, 260 average, and maybe 10 stolen bases. This is the guy that you were drafting ahead of Peter O'Brien. Why? Why Why are we doing this? I don't know. Uh, maybe, maybe you got first base locked up and you need a, you know, you need a middle infl- infielder that's actually going to play. I don't know. Uh, I don't know who John Gant is, but it ain't Ron Gant, so I'm not 
I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I'm with you. Those guys are really boring and should not be going ahead of Peter O'Brien. I agree totally. I think John Gant's a former Brave guy. Is he? I mean, I know he's a pitcher, but I don't, you know, I don't know much about him. Played on the Braves in 2016. Huh. Well, I wasn't paying attention to him then either. (coughs) All right. Well, what about, is that it for sleepers? I think so. You want to get into prospects and then uh, call it? Uh, yeah, prospects is all you, man. That's not my bag. That's you and Zach. So you can, you tell us who we should be thinking about, and then everybody can go to sleep. All right. Um. Well, we can go to sleep. I guess people might be listening to this in the morning. Maybe they want to go to sleep at work. I don't know. <laughs> uh. So obviously, the number one. This probably will surprise no one. The number one first base prospect we should be looking at is Peter Alonso. Um, he's got, as uh, Mickey Calloway said, 80 grade raw power. Um, he's got like he's got immense potential. I do believe there'll be a moderately high strikeout rate. It won't be like Judge or Gallo, but it'll probably be above the league average, like maybe 23, 24, 25 percent around that range. Um, but he's got good play discipline. Probably be a 40 home run guy. And I got him. I projected him. Um, on the top 300 prospects list, I projected him for a 275 batting average. So uh, I'm, he's pretty exciting. He was the number seventh overall prospect I had um, because he's going to be a high RBI guy, a uh, high run guy, high home run guy, and his batting average is going to be above average as well. But then below him in first base uh, rankings, you got Seth Beer and Malcolm Nunez. And I have them kind of listed as uh, Alonzo Light guys. They're not going to have exactly the raw power Alonzo does. Um, they'll probably be like 30, 35 home run guys, but um, they also uh, make decent contact. Uh, probably just a tad below league average. It's going to be probably like 280 hitters. And uh, some guys I think you should watch. They're a little bit lesser known. Um, I haven't even seen them on any top 100 lists yet. So uh, I'll be interesting. I had them ranked outside the top 50. So uh, we'll be interesting so- to see. So Alonzo, like he's going ahead of Josh Bell, which is nuts to me. Yeah, well, he's pretty. Um, you look at the Mets' uh, first base situation. I forget who they even have projected to be the starting first one. Well, they so Cano will slot in at second. So I think that means Jeff McNeil goes to first. Yeah, you got McNeil and Dominic Smith, but they're uh, we're kind of predicting that Alonzo will be up um, not too after the start of the season. If that's the case, that's pretty pretty good for a late round pick, like in a redraft league. That's pretty good. Um, so he's someone you know to keep on the mind as soon as this season, because he'll probably be up at some point this season and he'll be hitting bombs. I think I saw something last year, like his. Uh, I don't know if this is true or not, but I read something or saw something like his average X of velocity was like only lower than like four of the major league players. It was like Aaron Judge and like Giancarlo Stanton. Joey Gallagher or something like that. So he's definitely someone to get excited about. All right. And then I'll say one last guy. And the reason I put him down here is because uh, there's a chance we see him as soon as this season with the Rays. That would be Nate Lowe. Um, Kind of really no one was paying attention to him before last season. We kind of had a breakout where he hit how many? 27 home runs? Yeah, 27 home runs. And he had uh, over 300 batting average. I mean, he hit 356 in a high A, 340 in double A, and a 216 triple A. Um, 
decent contact abilities. Uh, probably will be around league average strikeout rate. Uh, he shows the ability to drive the ball, so his bat biff will be above 300. And uh, his raw power should give him anywhere between uh, 30 to 35 home runs as peak. So he's also another guy to get excited about. And uh, another guy just keep kind of keep an eye on as the season uh, advances. And, you know, if he gets called up, he may be someone, you know, if you're weak at first base, pick up and hold. He might be a great stash. You know who I'm picking up? Who? Brandon Belt with a 332 ADP. I mean, that's... Uh, He's just like, he's free. I I love Belt, but I hate that home park so much. I know, but but when he's he's not in that park, I mean, I don't understand that ADP. Great DFS play when he's out of San Francisco. Oh, yeah. Belt on the road is going to be awesome. I saw a rumor um, like a long time ago, like a month or two ago, that Colorado or something was trying to sign Belt. I was like, can we please make that happen? I doubt they're doing it now with Daniel Murphy, but uh, could you imagine? Yeah, that? no, and, uh, no way they're no way they're doing it now. Yeah, Belt in Colorado would have been fun. Well, then he went. Uh, there was a home runs. A rumor of uh, Justin Smoke to Colorado too. I would have enjoyed that. Yeah, that was not as exciting. I'd rather have Brandon Belt. So Smoke, he popped up in the first base review, and we didn't bring him up tonight because you you know mostly don't go that deep, but. Uh, his chase rate is really solid, um, above average. His walk rate's really healthy. Uh, the power is solid, definitely like top 10, 12 at the position. The only thing you have is just the strikeouts. So, you know, if you if you know you're taking on the, the 235, 245 batting average, you just have to make it up elsewhere. So, which if you missed out on first base early, you know, maybe you, you have batting average kind of covered. So, I can I can see myself rounding out some rosters with Justin Smoke this year. I'm well, bummed, nice. bummed he didn't go to Colorado. The nice thing about uh, Smoke is his uh, contact rate is around league average, so he's not like a like probably like a twenty three percent strikeout guy, though he had twenty six last year. Um, kind of an interesting guy. Uh, yeah, I was I was kind of debating with myself about him or CJ Cron, and uh, initially I thought it was Cron just because of the power, but. Uh, his uh, whiff rate or uh, swinging strike rate actually was like worst in the league among qualified first basemen last year. Like he was worse than Chris Davis. So, and his, and his chase rate, yeah, crying. And his chase rate was like god awful. So, um, he basically is just like grip it and rip it, at least according to plate discipline. So, once I, once I read some of that, uh, I definitely think as far as better overall hitter, uh, Justin Smoke would would be the guy over Kron for me. Kron's more powerful, but that's about all you can say. Yeah, I mean, I probably agree with that. They're they're close. They're kind of like one two, kind of back to back. It's kind of like you know ending your draft if you need a first baseman. They're both solid options, solid power options. Either one, I think I'm fine with. Yep, I'm taking the Smoke Monster all day. Um, if my baby brother is listening to this, Kron uh, is the the perfect guy for you to draft. Sean, just go ahead and draft him. Lock it up. Um, I don't know if you if you sense this about people, but I think people draft sometimes according to personality. And uh, my brother loves the big, strong, like powerful guys because he's a, he's a big, strong dude. So um, I, I feel like he does that unconsciously. So Sean, if you're listening, Kron uh, is your guy. Draft him. Draft him all day. 
every day. I'm just trying to help the help the baby brother out. <laughs> uh, I mean, my brother doesn't play fantasy baseball, or I'd I'd be uh, messing with him all day. I mean, my brother like shows up to play and then loses to me, so that's how that goes. But uh, but he he shows up every year. So yeah, smoke. As far as I can tell, he might bat third or fourth in Toronto. Just saying. I think actually, uh, I was gonna say I think Toronto's lineup's terrible, but I remember tweeting a while ago that. It could be real exciting um, halfway through the season. It could be uh, like if they trade off some pieces and stuff, it could be Rowdy Tellis uh, at first, Bo Bichette at second, Gurriel at short, Vlad Guerrero at third. And then you could have Gritchick and Hernandez in the corners with Pilar in center. That's a pretty, uh, pretty exciting little group. Yeah, I think you're probably waiting until 2020 for that to come to fruition, at least in part. I don't know. Uh, a lot of guys would miss swing and miss there, like power for sure. But Grichuk and Hernandez, I mean, it, I don't know. I don't, I don't like that lineup at all. So hopefully their young guys get there soon enough. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we nailed first base. First base is uh, over with and done, thankfully. Um, I guess we tell people to stay tuned. January 14th, positional week starts on fake teams. Uh, we'll start out with catcher. Yay. And we'll move into first base, which might be slightly more exciting. What's the, uh, what's the first post we got coming out for catcher week? What are we starting the week off with? Do you know? Uh, well, early, I mean, we're going to start with rankings. Uh, we'll have a, we'll have a state of the position every week at the beginning of every week. We will have a, an overarching view of each position. So we'll have a, we'll have a state of the position, which with catchers, uh, Maybe I'll make that one really short and funny, but uh, probably not. You could easily justify a really short post, but uh, we'll, I'll go in-depth. So state of the position, rankings. Uh, maybe we'll do targets and avoids and prospects to watch and sleepers. So we'll, we'll have it all. Yeah, you know I got that sleepers list for you. I know you got sleepers locked down. Uh, Zach is going to lock down the prospects, and uh, we'll see. We got, we got some other guys chipping in, so. That'll come in one week, seven days from now. So come back to fake teams for all that goodness, and uh, maybe we'll we'll get another pot out. Hopefully, uh, in the next uh, few days to a week, we'll see. We'll see how real life goes. All right, all right, man. Take care. All right, see you. Peace.